3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach, educate, coach. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, Jim Kramer. What are we looking at here? Resilience? Or complacency. The average is staging a huge rally from last night's moment of crisis when Iran launched ballistic missiles at Iraqi air bases housing U.S. troops, and no Americans were hurt. I marvel at this market's ability to overcome even the toughest of obstacles. Dow gaining 161 points. S&P climbing 0.49 percent. Nasdaq pole voting 0.67 percent. Although it was higher near uh, the, uh, yeah, I'd say about an hour before the close. So, is this market being resilient, uh, as in, or are investors being complacent? Sell, sell, sell! Why not both? Yeah, that's what I think it is. I think it's a combination of these two forces, and I think they've taken control. First, let's cover complacency. A few days ago, the President of the United States ordered the killing of an extremely bad guy, an Iranian general who'd been the major architect of state-sponsored terrorism in the region. Now, I'm not here to litigate whether or not that was the right call. Not my call. What matters to the stock market is that most commentators immediately assumed it meant we were headed for war with Iran. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. They just took it as a given that both sides would keep escalating until all-out war became inevitable. We saw the price of oil and gold soar. We saw investors buying ways of put options, betting on a monster sell-off. But at the same time, the stock market pretty much ignored the whole fracas, even when it became obvious that retaliation was imminent. Iran finally struck back last night when the market was closed. They launched more than a dozen ballistic missiles at air bases in Iraq that housed U.S. troops. And the overnight futures plummeted. The equivalent of 500 Dow points. Now, next thing you know, the president tweets that it looks like there were no American casualties and all was well. You could see the futures start to rally. Then a Boeing 737 non-MAX from Tehran crashed right after takeoff, and a second wave of fear swept the market. But when no further attacks came, when the Iranian government tweeted that their their message of revenge has been sent, the overnight futures reversed. And the pajama traders who sent the markets down 2% were revealed to be just plain wrong. Like I've been telling you all week, de-escalation was always on the table, and that's exactly what both sides seemed to be doing. The scaremongering media did you a huge disservice by playing down that possibility. Things only got worse for the bears when we got the kind of bullish numbers that justified not only staying the course, but outright buying stocks. If you were complacent going into the Iran crisis, that complacency paid off when the president demonstrated restraint baffling his critics who simply can't conceive of Donald Trump with an olive branch instead of a bazooka. However, it's not just the de-escalization that, that uh, induces short squeeze. That that was that was part of it, but no, it was something bigger. We got some genuinely good news from individual companies, as well as some macro information, and that helps explain the market's resilience. So why don't we take them down? All right, first, ADP, that's the nation's largest payroll processor. They showed more than 200,000 jobs created last month in its latest survey. While ADP's not the ultimate arbiter here, that's the Labor Department's non-farm payroll figure that comes out at 8.30 on Friday. It showed that the Fed's rate cuts they're working. We also know the cuts are working because Lenar, gigantic home builder, LEN, reported today that every single line item was a butte. Most important, new orders were up 23%. Even better, management told us that California, one-fifth of the country, but an even larger percentage of the nation's housing market, has bottomed. It's been a lot of trouble out there. Just numbers peaked a little while ago. Now it's recovering. That's all about J-PAL's rate cuts working their magic. Third, we got a same-store sales number from Macy's that was Naboth. Don't you remember Nabif? Not as bad as feared. The company continues to close underperforming stores, trimming its footprint to the point where it's left with mostly good stores and high quality, what are known as A or B malls. I oh, this is a smart strategy. Should have been done a while ago. It's also a reminder that we could see some much better numbers from retailers, including Nordstrom, perhaps Home Depot, between the strength of Lenar and the strength of Macy's, I gotta believe that the housing related chain can reverse its recent underperformance. And then after the bell tonight, Costco, 9% same source, 9% I believe They did amazing e-commerce. It used to be an afterthought for them. Wow, I gotta go to Costco. Someone told, just tweeted me that Kirkland has great locks. I like to go to Rust and Doors. I mean, we'll go to Kirkland. Fourth, tech's been roaring all week, but we needed some reinforcements to keep the ball rolling, and that's exactly what we got from Apple. Apple holiday sales specifically. The company released some data on uh, holiday app sales at my uh, AirPods. The numbers were staggering. It's not easy to move the stock for the world's largest company, but this news allowed Apple to climb nearly five bucks. Breaking through the $300 level, hey, you know my thesis. It really hasn't changed that much. Uh, Apple, uh, own it, don't trade it. This company has an incredible track record of innovation and customer satisfaction. Well, that's keeps monetizing their 925 million iPhone users. Now, look, I was on vacation recently. Seven other iPhone owners, all older models, unlike me with my spiffy 11. He's got the three cameras. Despite the continued carping from the naysayers who have driving me crazy that there's nothing new under the Apple sun, I think every one of my tripmates now feels the need to own the iPhone 11. It's that much of a leapfrog. Same thing with the 20 people in the box that the Eagles lost last Sunday, where only my phone was worth taking pictures with. Pictures came out too dark for the other models. So much for the no innovation rap. Fifth, steady drumbeat. We've had unbelievable coverage of CMC of CES. Uh, I- incredible utilization. Uh, we're starting to see these new technologies really pay off 5G. The Consumer Electronics Show is just amazing this year. It's pretty similar to the upbeat commentary we got last night from Harman's Denise Pollywell. Did you catch that? He regaled us about stories about products that we've seemed, uh, I think would have seemed impossible recently. Uh, maybe as a, recently as a couple of years ago. Not enough good news for you? How about a story that almost nobody noticed? This morning, American Express finally got the nod, after years and years of waiting, to open up a Chinese franchise all on its own. No medals from joint venture partners here. Good news! It's really kind of the thing that I didn't expect to see right now. And I think China's going to follow through with its promise on the phase one trade deal. What does it mean for MasterCard? What does it mean for Visa, for Goldman Sachs? No one's waiting to find out. They're just buying. Or how about the companies that were supposed to screw up but didn't? This morning, Constellation's brand symbol STZ reported a very strong quarter, fabulous beer consumption, and not just from the Modelo and Corona that we sell at Bar San Miguel, my small plate Mexican restaurant in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. That wouldn't be so important if there hadn't been a story circulating yesterday that Constellation might have a shortfall because of slowing beer sales. Sure, beer, beer sales, well, they were not as great as they might have been another another time, but they were pretty darn good. And compared to everyone else in the business, these guys are crushing it. We're going to do a deep dive on consolation later in the show with Bill Newland's fabulous CEO. Let me throw in one more. It's one that I've kind of bashed of late, Grubhub. I've been extremely bearish on the online food delivery business. I think there are too many competitors, and it's ripe for consolidation. The private DoorDash already bought Caviar from Square, which, by the way, is finally getting respect for its growth post the departure of the amazing CFO Sarah Fryer. But the industry needs more deals, and today Grubhub said they're considering a merger. No wonder the stock roared 12%. Here's an idea. They should either be bought by DoorDash or buy Uber Eats. Uh, Uber would go to 45 if that happened. Oh, and of course, we still had one more day where Tesla steamrolled the shorts. Thanks to some price target bumps, Netflix sorted on a note that perhaps there's no churn coming from the Disney uh, Plus initiative. The bottom line, all of these bullish notes create conviction, which creates resilience and causes the complacency that keeps potential sellers from selling. That's how stocks, that's how they have a spectacular rally. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe! Booyah, Jim. I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. Oh, thank you. About, About 19 months ago, you had a show regarding the cloud princes. You mentioned that Cooper Software was one of the best of the princes. The next day, I went out and bought 100 shares. Yesterday, they made an acquisition of a travel and expense specialist company, They reached an all-time high today. I'm up 185%.
1: Do you think it has more room to run, or should I sell? I
3: I thought that deal was very good. I think management's doing incredibly well. Uh, Bulls make money. Bears make money. Hogs get slaughtered. So, take off a little. Let the rest run. It's a great story. Let's go to Phil in New Jersey, please. Phil! Who
4: are you, Dr. Kramer? How are you? Hey, good. How about you, Phil? i'm doing good i'm glad the market came back it's been oh, what a whirlwind of a night but i tell you i took advantage of after hours last night and bought some good stuff so oh I, that's so great we get more of that but anyways um i wanted to talk to you about broadcom so you know they i did my homework they came out with good earnings the company's solid they, and now they're selling part of semantic all the semiconductors are going up this one it seems like it's on the downtrend i bought some yesterday you know, and I want to buy more. but I'm not sure if I should get out no, of it and buy any or- This
3: stock is, is not valued correctly. I think it can have much more room to run. 13 times earnings, 4% yield, really fabulous management. You're not making any mistake. Broadcom's a winner. How about we go to Rod in Wisconsin. Rod. Hey, it's Rod. Uh,
0: big Bullio from the frozen tundra. It's burr, burr, cold in Wisconsin.
3: Well, good luck. You, uh, you got some uh, big football coming up. What's going on?
1: I'm a retired uh, Teamster bus driver. Um, I took a hold of a rocket called Align Technologies a few months ago. Right. Back in August, it kind of tanked. The
3: market took a big bite out of it. So I like to follow rules. So over the next couple of uh, months, I bought $25 blocks. My average cost now is $200 a share. I sold half of it, made a $75 share profit. I'm hanging
0: on to the other half. Earnings are coming out at the end of the month. I don't know if I should hang on to this rascal, take uh, my $4,000 and buy Packers Super Bowl tickets,
3: or well, Super Bowl's I Packers I Well, I, I love that call. Uh, I think the stock's had a very big run. I want you to take a little more off the table. It is a competitive industry, uh, and you've really made, you know, it's been a terrific, terrific buy. Uh, go see the Packers. All right? Is this market illustrating resilience or complacency? How about both? Oh, man, tonight. What the dividend cut in Core Labs, a uh, frequent guest on Mad Money, signals for the overall oil market? Then pets aren't just for cuddling. Man's best friend can help you warm your wallet too. I'm eyeing two companies that can help you make money off the trend in the new year. And Constellation Brands are earnings beat. Well, let's just say it could make you want to have a celebratory cocktail. I'm breaking down the numbers with the CEO. So stay with Kramer.
0: now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
3: you want to understand the oil market core labs told you everything you need to know when it slashed its dividend From $0.55 to $0.25 on the last day of the year. Don't know, Core? It's perhaps the most sophisticated oil service company out there. Their technology helps producers find oil and get the most out of their reservoirs. As the price of crude rises, the services become more and more valuable. So with oil going up rather nicely, at least until today's brutal reversal, how's business? Frankly, it's the worst I've ever seen it. Even worse than January of 2016, when oil briefly traded below $30 a barrel. Less than half of where it is right now. What makes me say that? Okay, Quora has been on mad money many times. It's a very thoughtful company. They make their decisions based on traditional metrics like their return on equity, not pie-in-the-sky forecast drill, baby, drill. For years, the dividend has been sacrosanct. Management wouldn't cut it unless they had some serious, long-term concerns that the oil industry just isn't coming back in the way it's supposed to when the price of crude goes higher. The news was shocking, devastating. Core only cut its earnings forecast for the latest quarter by roughly 15 percent, yet they cut their dividend by nearly 55 percent? That doesn't make any sense unless management has come to the conclusion that the oil business has fundamentally changed. At first glance, Core's explanation seemed innocuous. Quote, the decline in U.S. onshore activity has proven to be more pronounced than originally forecast in Core Labs' third quarter earnings release from October 23rd. Okay. But in many ways, it speaks incredibly loudly. Despite an uncertain world where the Strait of the could be shut down by Iran at any time, a world where international oil producers have let their wells run down drastically, uh, drilling just isn't picking it up. In fact, if you look at the Baker Used land rotary rig count, my favorite indicator of drilling demand in this country, it's actually collapsing. A year ago, there were 1,050 rigs operating on land in this country. Now there are 773. That's staggering, right? Especially when you consider that oil was $52 last year, uh, eight bucks lower than it is now. By the way, that's why the stock market refuses to really freak out about Iran these days. Investors sell stocks off tension in the Middle East because historically it causes oil prices to spike big. That raw cost to inflation then can devastate the economy, at least slow it down a lot. Yet that didn't happen this time around. In the scheme of things, oil really has barely budged. Why? Because if you're a huge consumer of petroleum, you know what? You can lock in prices out five years that are much lower than the current spot price. It's that bountiful. There are three reasons for this. One, the demand for oil seems to have stopped growing. The world used only 800,000 more barrels per day last year than it did in 2018. Substitution, conservation, preservation, you name it, it's taking its toll on the growth of the industry. Two, we have a tremendous amount of spare capacity in this country, in part because of all the shale fines from the last 15 years, and in part because President Trump has been incredibly pro-oil. That spare capacity means we have a much easier time absorbing supply shocks. Three, technology. The technology of rig development has produced producers getting a lot more oil per rig. So when tensions flare in the Middle East, that's not enough to send the price of crude surging anymore. American producers just against journalists spigot. Problem solved. If we didn't see a massive spike after 25 drones blew up half of Saudi Arabia's oil production in September, maybe we could handle it when whole, whole countries go offline for days or even weeks at a time. Plus, it's not just America. The Saudis could easily produce another million barrels a day if they wanted to. The Russians are eating up this blip. They want to encourage it. There's uh, simply oil, oil everywhere, and not a drop to drill. When Core Labs, the brains of the oil complex, cut its dividend last week, they were telling you this situation is only going to get worse for the industry, not better. And maybe that's all you need to know. Stick with Kramer. Jim Kramer, you're one of my heroes.
2: Alex, look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me.
3: When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on.
2: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month
3: I'm a big believer in finding powerful long-term themes and then sticking with them, maybe for years and years. But that only works if you're willing to do the homework. You can't just bet on a major trend and forget about it. You have to keep checking in to make sure it's still playing out the way you expect it. Which brings me to the humanization of pets, the idea that Americans increasingly treat companion animals as part of the family, like we do. So we keep spending more and more money buying them high-quality food, high-quality health care. This is a fabulous story that's made our viewers a lot of money over the many years that we've been on. But, ooh, and unfortunately, this is a big but. We always like to talk about what we get wrong is what we get right. Last summer, we updated our Humanization of Pets ETF that we created. A list of 11 ways to play this theme. And we got too aggressive. In the past, I'd only recommended a best-of-breed pet plays. With the ETF, I decided to be like all those crummy other ETF makers and, and put them all in there, uh, a little more risk, uh, some less tried and true names. And a few of them just constantly, just, what can I say? They blew up in my face. Makes me mad. Plenty of the pet stocks are still working here, but there were some big individual losers. That's why the bad money unionization of pets ETF has only rallied half a percent from when I updated it in June to the end of the year, versus 13% gain for the S&P 500 over the same period. In particular, Henry Schein spun off its veterinary supply business as Covetris, and that thing has been an absolute dog. Down 46%. Chewy! The ultra-fast-growing online pet food retailer sacked almost 14%. Remember all the growth stocks they fell from grace? Pet IQ, at a prescription and over-the-counter drug maker focused on animals, plunged 19%. We cut Pet IQ's weight in half uh, when we updated the ETF in June because we knew something was very wrong. There. Clearly, we should have just taken it out entirely. Alonco, Eli Lilly's old animal health business, it got hit, too, down 6%. Even long-time Kramer fave IDEX, which makes diagnostic equipment for veterinarians, got dinged in the second half of last year as its always bankable chairman and CEO was seriously injured in an accident and had to pass the range on to a successor. So what is the lesson here of this ETF? Well, it's the lesson of a lot of ETFs, frankly. I'm kicking myself because the main lesson is something I should have known to begin with. It's much better to own a couple of extremely high-quality stocks that you believe in than a broader basket that mixes the good with the not-so-good. There are times when it makes sense to put your money in a basket of stocks. I look at a great strategy when you're speculating on a bunch of high-risk, high-reward names, like the early-stage biotech company, some of which I think we'll be able to see next week when we go to the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. But generally speaking, trying to pick a few winners is a better strategy than owning an ETF, even one created by yours truly. If you're willing to put in the time and the effort needed to invest in individual companies, well, that's exactly what you should do uh, after you put most of your retirement money in an index fund. Uh, Twitter people, because I know that I'm Jimmy Chill now, Please don't hit me and say he doesn't like index funds because I love index funds. And uh, my daughter called me jumbo chill this morning just for a complete story. So what do we do with the humanization of pet stocks going forward? I say let's go back to basics and focus on two of the best opportunities rather than a basket. My favorites for 2020 were actually some of the worst performers in the second half of 2019. But I'm going back to the well because I believe in them. I'm going Alonco and I'm going Chewy, which has these great portraits of your dogs, sends letters about them and stuff. Uh, these have a lot more room to run. I'm going to tell you why now. Let's start with ubiquitous Chewy. You probably see their boxes. UPS guys always got them on the truck. Uh, that's the online pet shop that was spun off by PetSmart in June. Chewy came public at 22, then immediately shot to 35 at the close on the first day of trading. Stock marked time in the mid-30s until September, when a company reported what was generally viewed as a not-so-hot quarter. And then the stock broke down. By mid-November, it had collapsed to 21 bucks. In the past month, though, it's made a major comeback. These kinds of stocks are all coming back. It has vaulted to $28 and change as of today. Well, this is really kind of a, uh, this is a very typical ramp of a lot of the high growth stocks that don't make money. Now, why has Chewy been so volatile? Well, something comes to timing. The company came public in June, not long before the IPO window slammed shut. At the time, investors were still willing to pay up for fast-growing but unprofitable enterprises like Chewy, By September, though, money managers had gotten sick of these high flyers, and stocks like Chewy suddenly went out of style on that Wall Street fashion show I'm always talking about. The other culprit? I think Chewy's results have been widely misunderstood here. Consider the numbers that caused this stock to get hammered back in September. At that time, Chewy delivered better-than-expected sales, up 43% year-over-year. I like that. Higher-than-anticipated gross margin, up 300 basis points. So, I mean, right here, you're getting some really good news, and people just hated it. That's when you had to be a buyer. Even better, management gave you bullish sales guidance for the next quarter, and they raised their full-year forecast to boot. Fly in the ointment, okay, Chewy reported a wider-than-expected loss. But to me, that looks like a strong quarter. Remember why we like these stocks' growth. We saw the same thing with Chewy reported in December. Terrific sales, terrific gross margins, and raised full-year forecast. Once again, the losses were a bit larger than expected. This time, though, the stock only got dinged briefly before rallying, rallying pretty furiously. Chewy is not an earning story, people. You shouldn't be thinking of it like that. It's a sales story. But uh, every other metric has been on fire for these guys. Most importantly, you need to look at the percentage of customers who are getting their orders automatically shipped to them. Wow, lifetime value, huh? People who've signed up for recurring shipments. In the latest quarter, these automatic orders accounted for more than 70% of Chewy sales. That's incredible. That's up from 66% the year before. There's some customers who are satisfied. It's huge. It means Chewy's becoming more of a subscription play, and that makes the stock much more valuable than all these one-off different buys. And look, Chewy's valuation is extremely reasonable. Listen to me. It's reasonable. It trades at only it trades at just under two times next year's sales for a company with 40% growth. That is a steal, especially when you consider that Chewy might be able to turn a profit next year. Oh, and the lockup on insider sales expired last month, which removes a huge overhang. Clear sailing. My other humanization of Pets Pick, I think it's clear ceiling, too. It's a It's an animal healthcare company that makes medic- medicinal feed additives, vaccines, anti-parasite drugs, and also more specialized treatments for common ailments among companion animals like oste- uh, osteoarthritis and ear infections. We use this stuff at home, for uh, mostly for NVIDIA. This stock sold off hard over the course of July and August based on worries that Elanco is paying too much for bears. That's Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R, the German thing. Animal health business, $7.6 billion. But once people got their heads around the deal, well, the stock quickly found its footing again. You know what? I think this was a great move. As buyers a motivated, seller it needs to raise cash to handle that ne- massive, that tar- one of the worst acquisitions ever, the buy of Monsanto. I mean, you see those ads all the time. And you got people looking for other people just to sue these guys full time. The deal makes Alanco, and that's just a round up there, Alanco, El- the world's number two animal health play and substantially shifts their focus away from livestock and toward more pet exposure. No wonder Alonco's stock bottomed shortly thereafter. A couple of months ago, the company put a robust quarter. Since then, analyst after analyst has upgraded the stock. I think they illustrated an important change in sentiment here. lanco has been a lagarde. Uh, so on right now. Uh, compared to the other big animal health plays like Zoetis, which has been so great, and Idex, which I went over earlier. Plus, Lanco is actually, it's really cheap. Stock currently sells for a little more than 20 times next year's earnings estimates. That's an incredible bargain for a company that's expected to post 15 to 20% earnings growth. By comparison to Zoetis, which we know is really terrific. Kristen Peck runs a company. I she's terrific now. It sells for nearly 30 times next year's numbers. I think is getting too much of a discount. I, uh, look, Zoetis is the better company, but Alonka's stock is too cheap. Bottom line, if we want to keep playing the humanization of pet story, and I think we should. We need to get more selective. Focus on the stocks that could potentially have the best prospects. That's why I recommend doubling down right now. On Alonco and Chewy. Kent in Missouri. Kent.
4: Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. For some caller. Hey, listen. Kraft Heinz. Uh, I got into it after the initial bump. They've made some operational strategic changes over the past few quarters. But right. The earnings are still weak. The stock's not getting any cost. And Do I continue to hold or do I
3: cut bait and give up on this one? Uh, I don't care for Kraft Heinz. I like growth. And Kraft Heinz has very little growth. This is a show that is very much oriented toward picking growth stocks, and that doesn't have it. Let's go to Joe in Illinois. Joe! Howdy, Jim. I'm good, Joe. How are you? What's going on?
2: First time caller, long time follower of your show. Love that. And my question is about the Merck. Is uh, the dip a buying opportunity, or is Bristol-Myers still a better bet?
3: Oh, no, they're both very, very good. My Chapel Trust owns Bristol-Myers, and I think it's absolutely terrific. But let me just make the case for one moment about Merck. They had a little problem with one Keytruda try uh, involving a particular kind of cancer, but Keytruda is a wonder drug, and Merck is marvelously run. I say Merck is fine. All right. Plenty of the pet stocks are still working here. I think this is the year to double down on the best ones, and I'm liking this Chewy and Alanco much more. Made money at it. Is canopy growth weighing on Constellation Brands? a pot thing? Stocks headed higher though after earnings. I got to ask the CEO about what's the coming. Then it's a company whose shares were up 255% in 2019. You may never heard of it. I'll reveal the name when I turn in tonight's homework. It's wow, it's a whopper. And all your calls are rapid fire. In tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
4: Is that popping and fizzing, the sound of this stock going flat? After earnings, Constellation Brands is still keeping their spirits up. But can the company claw their way back into the hearts of home gamers? Look at Constellation brands, the stock, Roar.
3: This beer and wine powerhouse, best known for Corona and Modelo, had been written off and left for dead by many investors recently, thanks to fears of slowing beer sales and a potential overpay for its marijuana business. In 2018, Constellation pumped $4 billion into canopy growth. That's a big Canadian cannabis play. But over the course of last year, the whole weed cohort got whacked. This morning, though, Constellation reminded us that marijuana is just a sideline for them when they reported a spectacular quarter, and they continue to be bullish on weed. The company posted a gigantic 30 cent earnings beat off a $1.84 basis and their sales came in substantially higher than anticipated thanks to incredible strength in the beer business and better than feared numbers in wine and spirits. On top of that, management raised their full year for earnings forecast. No wonder the stock folded nearly $7 to 3.6% today. So could 2020 be a terrific rebound year for these guys? Let's check in with Bill Newlands. He's the president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Get a better read on the quarter and where the company's headed. Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks. Good to be here. Hey, Bill, your quarter was uh, really incredible. And what I think people seem to misjudge is that, as you said, you're just beginning kind of to scratch the surface in sales at Modelo. Why do people not understand that this is the only real growth in the beer category?
1: Well, Modelo, Jim, is not a one hit wonder. You know, when we think about the last decade, you came out of 2009 at roughly 35 million cases Last year, we did 140 million cases. It's the number four beer brand in the entire beer category, and it's got tremendous upside. We're just beginning to tap into the general market opportunity around that brand. So even though it's been fantastic and has had 31 consecutive years of double-digit growth, we think the sky's the limit.
3: You know, I, I have to compliment you. I don't want to bury the lead here, but how have people done if they've owned your stock for the last 10 years?
1: Well, 10 years ago, coming out literally of December 31st, 2009, the stock was just over 15. Uh, Coming out of 2019, it was 190. So people would have made 1,000% over a decade. Uh, And as we always say, we think there's a long way to go. Now, you're doing some exciting things.
3: Hard seltzer is... The thing is taking taking the whole market by storm. You said today that you're going to be offering a couple of flavors and you don't expect it to take share from your own beer, only the domestic beers. How's that going to work?
1: Well, the betterment category is is one that the seltzer group is really appealing to. And, you know, there's nothing better when it relates to refreshment than Corona. So our belief is our Corona hard seltzer is going to be a really important player in this market. The market was 60, almost 60 million cases last year, and certainly it looks like it could easily double in 2020, and we're going to get a significant share of that market. But at the same time, you do
3: have to spend more to be in there, correct?
1: We do. Uh, we're prepared to have one of the biggest introduction spends that we've ever had against a, a single brand. But recognize we're spending it against a franchise, and that's corona. So um, we're, we're quite confident that we will get a significant share of this business, and uh, we can't wait for March 1 to roll around.
3: Well, I, I, I know it's popular, with the, particularly with the millennials. Now, let's talk about what David Klein's up to. He's going over to Canopy. You stuck by Canopy today. There are some people who fear that maybe you overpaid, kind of like what happened with Ballast Point, where you admit yourself a billion dollars didn't work out, can you reassure us that you didn't overpay and that the, the prospects are bright for Canopy?
1: Well, as, as, as you know, as well as anyone, uh, anytime you have a startup industry, there's spits and spurts attached to it. What we're excited about is Canopy remains the share leader in Canada and the largest seller of cannabis around the world. Now we're putting in place a person that you've acknowledged yourself is a great seasoned executive who will bring discipline and focus to the leadership of that business. So we remain very bullish about it. Admittedly, there will be times when we get spits and spurts in the cannabis business, but we think the long-term play around that uh, will be quite healthy.
3: Well, Bill, there's a lot of money in uh, right now in the corporate structure of Canopy. You've got a kind of hard-to-understand Warren situation. If we were to legalize in the United States, would you be able to buy all of Canopy and take full uh, opportunity for all the money that you put in it that's left?
1: Well, we don't have any plans to do anything to put more money into Canopy at this point. We obviously have warrant opportunities, and if those are in the money, we would certainly plan to exercise those. But we're quite satisfied with where we are with our position, owning roughly 37 percent of the company. Uh, but we're, we're anxious to see what happens in the United States. As you know, we've introduced the First and Free brand, which is a CBD-based uh, brand here in the United States that you can get uh, through the direct website. So there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities going forward in the U.S. whenever that is legally available to us.
3: You've got to be happy about the way that it looks like the new NAFTA is working out. Not that you would be expected to be making Mexican beer in Michigan, but uh, the whole tariff situation is coming together pretty well for you, right?
1: Well, it has. And we expect that, as we've talked before, that the tariff situation didn't make a lot of sense as it related to, to Mexico and the United States. We're very tight trading partners. Um, and, and in fact, the tariff issue has not been uh, related to us in the least. Uh, and we're pleased about that. We're, we're just focused on making sure we're going to continue to bring great beer to the American public with our uh, Modelo and Corona brands in particular. Although Pacifico is a good option, too. No, we, know, that's doing we well can't well. get the
3: Especial. We're waiting to get the Especial at my place. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to see you.
1: Good to see you here too.
3: That's Bill Newlands, President and CEO of Constellation Brands STZ. People, this is the only beer company that has any growth to it. money's back into the break. It is time It's light time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, skiing? Dang, jumping the light round, because Let's start with Diane in New York. Diane. Hello. Diane. I'm interested in the stuff named Teladoc Health. I-, I think Teladoc is part of the way to be able to keep costs down in healthcare. And we've been behind it all the way. We're not budging. Let's go to uh, Andrew in South Carolina. Andrew. Hey, President Kramer. I'm a proud uh, resident of Kramerica. Oh, okay. I'll take that. You know, it's a pretty vaunted position. What's up? Hey, man. Just seeing uh, what you thought about ticker KRTX. speculative play. That's mental health. Mental health is uh, almost impossible to get right. Uh, It's a total spec. I'm not kidding. Everybody who's tried to crack mental health has really unfortunately failed. Let's go to Bob in Ohio. Bob. Hello, Jim. Hey, Bob. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, okay. I Thank enjoy you. your show and uh, your comments and suggestions. Um, I'm actually calling for my nephew, who's finally starting to get interested in stocks. Okay. I opened a custodial account for him. That's great. Uh, when he was in his early teens, showed no interest. Uh, now he's uh, first year in college. Okay. And he's taking computer classes, and he's interested in the cybersecurity space. Okay. So one of the stocks that he was interested in was Cloudflare. And I know you reviewed it when it first came out. Right. Uh, after the IPO, you weren't too excited about no, it. No, I don't think there's much to it, Bob. I I was hoping, you know, here's what your nephew should do. Go over some of the stocks that we talk about a lot on the show, like a cloud kit. Be one of those. They've been vetted and vetted and vetted. I would feel so much better if he did that. Let's go to Ray in Pennsylvania. Ray.
2: Hey, Jim. Booyah, Jim. How's Booyah, it going? Ray. All right. How about you? Uh, good. Uh, Pellis uh, Pharmaceutical, APLS. It,
3: it just uh, ran no, noticed... doing an equity offering. I, I know they got a the hemoglobin thing. Uh, and it, But it's up so much. I'm, I'm suspicious of the equity offering. I want you to wait. How about Brendan in Massachusetts? Brendan. How's it going, Jim? Really well, Brendan. How about you?
4: Good, Jeff, Hey, talking about Pinterest.
3: Yeah, we kind of, we're kind of lukewarm. We had such high hopes. Uh, and, and it doesn't have the growth that we'd like. I, I have to tell you, I prefer Twitter to it. I certainly prefer Facebook. By the way, have you read any negative stories about Facebook lately? And don't you think that's one of the reasons why the stock is soaring? I guess the print guys just kind of, I guess they got tired writing about it. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe! Jim, happy new year to you. Hope you have a healthy, happy new year. Oh, same um, to you, Joe. Thank you.
4: Thank you uh, for all you do. Um, question is uh, a company called Veve,
3: V-E-E-V, Sim. Oh, I like That's Peter Gaster. He's the one a lot. It's a cloud-based company that has uh, done great things in healthcare. Uh I would buy it right here. Uh it, it's one of the stocks that I think is just about poised. It's unchanged, it's almost unchanged in the year. To really, to really make a move. Let's go to Mike in New York. Mike, Mike, Mike. Happy Booyah New Year, Jim. Same. Uh, Alibaba. Oh, the only Chinese stock I recommend. Why? Because it's kicking butt, and I've got to tell you, it looks like a lot like an American company. It's got faster sales than almost every company on earth. Nick in New York, Nick. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I am doing well, Nick. How about you? I'm doing good. So I was wondering, is Uber in trouble in 2020? No! I mean, I we... No, no, they no? just need to give Uber sales. They have to, like, offload it, sell it to uh, DoorDash, uh, merge it with GrubHub, get it the heck off the balance sheet, and then boom! Ah. Ah. Hey, one more. Let's go to Richie in Pennsylvania. Richie. Hey, Kramer, how's it going, sir? All right, how about you? I've got a uh, stock here I'm interested in. It's called Cloudera C L. Yeah, it's business software. Cloudera, here's the thing you know about Cloudera. It's not as bad as it was. If that's enough to make you want to buy a stock, that's fine with me. And that, ladies and other lightning round.
4: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: Time to catch up with some homework. Just before we went away for the holidays on December nineteenth, we got this call from Doug in New York. It was about a company I didn't know, C Limited. That symbol is SE for all you home members. And because I wasn't too familiar with this one, right off the bat, I promised to get back to him. This was uh, a sensational story, but a too expensive stock. I do not want to be good about this one because CC Limited is a very big deal. It's a Singapore-based company. It's going to become the leading Internet play in Southeast Asia. And here we're talking about some very high-growth areas, Indonesia, Taiwan, Vietnam, Thailand, the Philippines, Malaysia, and, of course, Singapore. Specifically, C Limited has three main subsidiaries, Garena, Shopee, and AirPlay. Garena is an online gaming play, the number one online gaming play by market share in Southeast Asia, red hot. They develop their own games, especially mobile games. And they hold a bunch of exclusive licenses of games from other developers. Mainly, Green is a platform that lets you play multiple player games uh, online, which is why they've got the region's top eSports business. And that's a killer business, too. You know I'm a big, big believer in eSports. How about the other two divisions? Shopee is an e-commerce platform, the number one e-commerce platform in the region by gross merchandise value and total orders. Finally, AirPay is a digital payments play. Put it all together and C-Limited looks like like a Southeast Asian version of Amazon, PayPal, and Activision Blizzard. All rolled into one. And that's why the stock has been sizzling. When Dougie asked me about this one a few weeks ago, C-Limited's American deposit receipts were already up 243% for the year. Hey, better than your index fund. And the darn thing finished 2019 up 255%. Now, after such a mammoth run, I don't want to pine on the stock until I did some serious homework. And that's why I said the stock's up so much. So what's the story? Okay, initially after C-Limited started trading in the United States, it was a little over two years ago, the stock was a dud. I oh, yeah, well, yeah, wish I had been there. The problem, while the company was experiencing some tremendous sales growth, up uh, really 100% in 2018, a lot of that was the financial equivalent of what we call empty calories. As the company expanded into e-commerce and online payments, its gross margin, what it makes after the cost of goods sold, plunged from 37% in 2015 to just 2% in 2018. Hmm. Retail and payments are lower margin than gaming, and and the company was spending a fortune to build out these businesses, and you know what? It it created quite a cloud over what was happening that was good. Meanwhile, not many American investors were going to get too excited about a Singapore-based company that might or might not work out. Sea Limited was burning a lot of cash! And there was no guarantee the strategy would work, which is why the ADR fell from 15 in October of 2018 to 11 and change at the end of 2018. The
4: house of pain.
3: Well, then the stock exploded higher last year because all those initiatives started paying off. First, Limited started picking up institutional supporters who argued that the stock was ridiculously undervalued. The bulls nailed it. Over the course of last year, the company reported a series of fantastic quarters. In February, they posted 137% sales growth. Quitting a 1,262% gain for their e-commerce business. Meanwhile, C-Limited's gaming business went global. They started selling their games outside of Southeast Asia. Tremendous success. They delivered another excellent set of numbers in May. And while the stock sold off after reported in August, I think that had more to do with the market's rejection of all things growth than with anything that happened here at C-Limited. It's pretty darn good. When C-Limited reported again in mid-November, well then, they knocked it out of the park! Bye bye bye! We're talking 214% revenue growth, driven by 212% gain in digital entertainment and a 261% gain in e-commerce. The company's quarterly active users rose to 321 million. That's a little company. No, that's up 82% year over year. This has become a gigantic platform, and they've had some huge hits in response. The stock surged more than 18% in a single day. Now, every time C Limited shot the lights out last year, it picked up even more institutional support. By, I, by the last couple months of 2019, it was a classic anointed winner. The kind of stock hedge funds buy because everybody knows it's going to finish higher. And listen, this thing deserved to rally. Everything who got, everyone who got behind C Limited at the beginning of the year last year, they made a brilliant call. Okay, there's just one problem. This thing has now gone from $11 to $40 in the last 12 months. No matter how great the business is, you've got to get a little cautious after a 255% run. So where do I come down? Look, C Limited has fabulous fundamentals. There's no doubt this is a tremendous growth story. I am just worried that the easy money has already been made. The stock is not undervalued anymore, and it's not undiscovered anymore. Can it go higher? Sure but it can also go lower at this point. And I hate to chase something that's tripled in less than a year. The other issue, emerging markets are inherently risky. When you buy c Limited, you're not just making a bet on the company itself. You're also betting on the economy of Southeast Asia. That adds another layer of uncertainty, even though I am bullish on that part of the world. Plus, now that 2020 is underway, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the C-Limit's institutional sponsors decide this is a good time to ring a register. Don't get me wrong. I think this stock is absolutely worth buying into any weakness, but we gotta wait for a meaningful pullback. It's less than two points from its high. You know what? Up here at 40 bucks, no thank you. <laughs> a lot of changes in retail. Now Bed Bath and Beyond reported it after the bell. It looks really ugly, but give this guy a chance. Triton just got there. He's putting in a new team. I continue to believe that Nordstrom is a terrific opportunity. It's way down with a good yield. Costco just blew away the numbers. I am just staggered that they can do 9%. This is one of the largest retailers in the world. And you know what? I think both Home Depot and Lowe's are starting to do better. Lowe's had a good management change the other day. And Home Depot's finally going back to where it deserves to. Be. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere and I promise I'd find it just for you right here on mid money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
2: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.
0: Jenny!